Welcome to another edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the Air podcast. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources on the Delaware Valley Journal. It's a delight to welcome to the podcast Leo Nepper. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Citizens Alliance of Pennsylvania. Leo, uh, welcome aboard. Thanks very much for having me on. So uh, according to your website, uh, CAP is a nonprofit organization founded to raise the standard of living by restoring limited government, economic freedom, and personal responsibility. Watching the $1.9 trillion package that uh, President uh, Biden is signing, isn't it the case that all three of those are now pretty much done? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, between the $1.9 trillion that uh, Biden just signed into office, the $2 trillion that was signed by President Trump, those are two very expensive bills that will be coming due um, and there's only so long that the federal government could just, you know, print money before people stop lending it to them. Um, and, and really, I mean, our focus at CAP is is largely on state issues, but things like this obviously flow into state politics because it's going to determine what happens with our budget. Um, and that process, the Pennsylvania state budget will be, uh, expiring and having to be renewed uh, at the end of June. So the the way that this funding is handled by the federal government will certainly make uh, have an impact on what we see our General Assembly do as they're deciding how much of our money to spend next year. I, I want to get to the state budget in just a moment, but before we leave the issue of the the COVID package, I mean, it it says to families who are earning up to $400,000, here is a $300 a month uh, check per child that is very much like the old AFDC uh, welfare check, but it goes to families who are very well off. It, the, uh, it says to uh, unemployed people, here's uh, an extended $300 a week, 1200 bucks a month on top of the Pennsylvania unemployment benefits uh, to to make it more possible for you to choose to not go back to work. In other words, is it the case that the principle that CAP operates off of, of individual liberty and small government, is just not in good odor at the moment? Oh, absolutely. Um, that, without a doubt, this legislation between the, the child, um, I mean, they're not even really tax credits, they're direct cash right. payments, and the unemployment system, which is again a direct cash payment, um, I, I mean, it definitely. It is policies that will increase dependence upon government. Uh, when you take a look at the impact of these higher unemployment benefits, we saw this, you know, back in 08 and 09 with the extended unemployment benefits uh, during the economic, you know, the the, the crash then, where. Until those expanded benefits went away, people were not actually going out and seeking jobs because they just they didn't have to, um, you know. And that's that's not a, a that's a normal human behavior, right? Um, you know, we're going to seek to maximize. Generally speaking, people will seek to maximize their leisure time um, because that's stuff that they like to do versus. Um, you know, going to work from nine to five at a job they probably don't particularly care for. So by expanding these unemployment benefits, you know, you are creating a disincentive for people to go back to work. 
The other thing it does, um, it really rewards states that have put in place these draconian lockdown measures. Um, like in Pennsylvania, where you know we have a governor who shut down roughly a third of the economy for for periods of time, completely shut it down, um, and then has drastically restricted occupancy at restaurants and things like that. It, it basically lets them get away with it um, because you have the federal government bailing them out, uh, and our the, the numbers that Pennsylvania has are, are worse in terms of, you know, deaths per 100,000 people than what they have in states like Florida that had much more liberal, um, in the classical sense of the word, liberal shutdown policies, where they weren't, you know, closing down businesses, they weren't uh, restricting occupancy as much, and, and they've really gotten back to normal much more quickly than what we have. And uh, one of the complaints that uh, some of the states like uh, Idaho and New Hampshire are making is that they've uh, managed to keep their fiscal house in order and they want to cut taxes. And the uh, the package as passed actually empowers the treasurer, uh, Janet Yellen, if you think that these states are using our money to give their citizens lower tax rates. You can go get the money back. You can go after them. And it's very nebulous about, well, what do you mean? Because it says directly or indirectly funding a tax cut. So, so any, obviously any revenue that a state gets, you could argue, well, they're using that to offset something. And therefore, that offset makes a tax cut possible. And so you have a, bu- a state budget here where Governor Wolf is proposing uh, a you know, personal income tax hike and other tax increases and then you have the federal government looking at neighboring states who might say, hey, I'm going to compete with Pennsylvania. We're going to cut taxes and say, well, not with our money, you're not. Yeah. And what makes things really interesting, too, is it relates to uh, Pennsylvania's budget in particular. If you look at the year over year, so the 2020 versus 2019 revenue numbers of actually what came in, revenues only dropped by, uh, I think it's like a percent and a half. So they didn't go down drastically. Um what Governor Wolf is actually proposing with that massive tax increase on the, the personal income tax, that's not to offset lost money. That's to increase spending. Um, and, you know, that's really what we've seen over time and not just with Governor Wolf, but with, you know, Republican governors as well. They really have a tendency to increase spending at rates that are much flat, much faster than the rate of inflation and population growth. Um, you know, we don't really have anything limiting how quickly government spending can grow. And as a result, year over year, Pennsylvania's spending has far outstripped the, the, the rate of inflation and, and the, the growth in, in our state population. And, and because of that, we have these outsized budget deficits. Um, you know, the governor calls them structural deficits. Well, they're not really structural. It's just that you guys don't prioritize your spending. Well, speaking of the uh, spending, what are the two or three things in the state budget as proposed by Governor Wolf that you think uh, voters, business owners, et cetera, should uh, focus on? Well, I mean, obviously, the personal income tax is a huge uh, is a huge thing because most small businesses don't actually use the, the corporate uh, the corporate net income tax rate. They're filing and they're paying under a personal income tax rate. So this will have a drastic 
impact on how small businesses and how small business owners are able to invest in their businesses. The other item uh, that the governor had proposed is related to an increase in the minimum wage. Uh, considering how many businesses that the governor has shut down and ordered to operate at reduced capacity, the fact that he's now telling them, you know, you're struggling to keep your doors open, but we're going to increase your personnel costs anyway, it's just completely out of touch with reality. Uh, the other thing, and I mean, this is one of those issues that it's it's on the governor's wish list of taxes every year, has to do with the the extraction tax. Uh, the governor continues to claim, you know, that the natural gas industry isn't paying its quote unquote fair share. Right. And that's just, it's just absurd. The natural gas industry in Pennsylvania pays uh, an impact fee based on the amount of drilling that they're doing. And that money, you know, granted it doesn't, it doesn't go to the general fund. It's actually segregated by where the drilling takes place, although some of the money is directed to urban areas like Philadelphia and um, you know the surrounding areas that have made fracking illegal still get a, a portion of the money. But mm -hmm. most of the money is going to rural counties to, to pay for infrastructure improvements related to the, the drilling activity that takes place there. So the natural gas industry is absolutely paying taxes on what they're doing. It's just not a tax that the, the General Assembly can do whatever they want with. Um, I think there are some other things that people really need to be aware of beyond just the, the budget. Don't get me wrong, the budget is a huge issue and that'll be coming due in June. We also have to keep in mind um, that there are going to be two constitutional, uh, well, there will be three constitutional amendments on the ballot in May. Two of them are actually directly related to the governor's emergency authority. Um, as Pennsylvania law currently stands and as the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has interpreted it, in order to end an emergency declaration, you need two-thirds majority in each chamber if the governor doesn't want to end the emergency declaration. Um, on the ballot in the spring, there will be two questions related to, one of them is the General Assembly can end an emergency declaration with a simple majority. The other one requires a governor to get approval if an emergency declaration is going to last longer than 21 days. Um, that's in essence what the what the what the the amendments do. The way the governor's uh, Department of State worded those amendments is completely biased against them. So if people aren't paying attention to what's going on, it's really going to be, make it harder to rein in an out of control governor and make it possible for him to just continue extending the uh, the disaster declaration that started last March. And if you want to look at an even worse example or a different type of example, but it's it's makes the same point. Mm -hmm. The governor declared a state of emergency as it relates to, to opioids over four years ago at this point. So he's just continued to re-extend these emergency declarations every 90 days. And what that does is it really, it destroys the separation of powers um, arguably, there are things that the governor has done with the, you know, the opioid emergency declaration that really should be fixed legislatively by the General Assembly. The other issue is, and this is especially true as it relates to the, the shutdown orders um, because of COVID, it really makes it impossible for the General Assembly to have any kind of oversight authority over what the governor is doing. 
And at the end of the day, the, the members of the General Assembly are the ones who are the closest to their constituents and, and have the most day-to-day interaction with the, the voters in Pennsylvania. Right. You know, it's uh, when you talk about the legislature essentially kind of letting the executive do whatever he wants, it's an interesting conversation because uh, there was a time when there was a uh, – a, uh, institutional desire to defend. And so you think about Senator Robert Byrd at the national level who would tell his fellow Democrats that they're president. I don't care that you're president. I don't care that you're a Democrat. We're the Senate. This is our power. Back off. And that was the idea behind the the separation of powers to begin with was the executive is going to want to do stuff. The legislative branch is going to say, we don't want you to do that stuff or, hey, that's our stuff. You can't take our stuff. And now, have you noticed, Leo, at the federal and at the state level, more and more legislators are essentially acting as parliaments saying, OK, when our guy's in power, we're just going to stick with our guy. And if he's a, you know, if he's a D, we're a D. If he's blue, red, you know, and, and it didn't matter whether it's a Republican or Democrat, they were acting as a team rather than acting as I'm a state senator and that matters separate from partisanship. And you're going to have to, uh, you know, to uh, take our power into account, for example, the legislature should be able to get together and say, no, we're not going to let a governor just extend emergencies for forever. We're going to impose rules because we work for the people. We're the people's body. And I don't even hear that conversation as a matter of principle going on. No. And, and, and it's actually there's a perverse incentive for the legislature not to do that. Um, and what I mean by that is most politicians care about three things. They care about getting elected, they care about getting reelected, and they care about serving in higher office, right? So as they are constructing legislation in the General Assembly, if they have in mind those three things, it encourages them to write laws as vaguely as possible and to leave as much interpretation to the courts and to the executive branch. Because what happens is these regulatory bodies will come in and make regulatory pronouncements and the General Assembly can point to them as the bad guy and say, oh, you know, that's what this regulatory body did. That's not what we wanted them to do. And then they can also point to the courts like, oh, the courts have, you know, upheld that regulation. So there's really nothing we can do at this point. So over time, in the interest of making their lives easier and having to accept less responsibility for what actually happens as a result of their policies. Uh, The General Assembly at the state level and Congress at the federal level have really taken this position that they want to give as much authority to other people as possible. And that's really so they can't be held responsible for what happens at the end of the day. Um, And it's, it's tragic because taxpayers are the ones who end up on the hook for for that unwillingness to accept responsibility for bad policy. Um, we have seen some movement to improve that, but I, I mean, it's very limited. I can give you an example. Last year, uh, the General Assembly voted overwhelmingly, and, and this seems like a minor problem, but it, it's just in, indicative of, of the situation that we're in. So. Last year, the General Assembly voted to allow the Fish and currently, if the the Fish and Game Commission wants to raise a fee, um, they have to the General Assembly has to enact a law that allows them to to raise that fee or to raise those fees. Okay, Um, what the what the General Assembly changed the law to was the the 
Fish and Boat Commission can raise a fee, but if the General Assembly doesn't like it, then they can go ahead and tell them no. So that sounds like a minor change, but really what it does is it puts the authority to raise fees onto the onto the executive agency and the general assembly can then conveniently not be able to get enough right. votes to override that decision. So then the general assembly can be the good guys and say, or the people whose constituents are upset about it can be the good guys and say, see, we tried to get that, that taken care of, but we can't, our hands are tied because they set their own fees. Well, they set their own fees because you gave them the legal authority to do it. No, that's an excellent example, and it shows the perverse incentives you were talking about. Before I let you go, because uh, I'm relatively new to uh, Pennsylvania politics, could you please tell me the story of the infamous midnight pay raise? Sure. Um, So this is actually what got me into politics. Back in 2005, Uh, the Pennsylvania General Assembly enacted a massive pay raise for themselves literally in the middle of the night. Um, And what the way they did it was they actually gave themselves, they they threw what they call unvouchered expenses, the ability to start collecting a salary increase in the same year that they enacted it, which generally speaking, violates, this, if not the letter, the spirit of Pennsylvania's constitution, which prohibits that. It says you can only get a raise, you know, after your, your the, the legislative session, after you approve it. Um, at the time, I was actually working for a local, you know, mid-scale retail chain on, on salary. So I was working 50 or 60 hours a week, and I had just gotten wow. my, my pay raise, which you know, <laughs> equated to 25 cents an hour. And these folks in the General Assembly gave themselves pay raises that amounted to anything from, from 10 to 30 percent. Right. Um, so that really is what motivated me. You know, Prior to that, I would watch the Sunday morning talk shows and yell at the television. <laughs> That's what really motivated me to get off the couch and, and start figuring out what I could do to, to try to hold people accountable and to get uh, this law uh, repealed. And what happened to the people who gave themselves the midnight pay raise? Uh, a lot of them lost their jobs. Some of them retired. Um, interestingly enough, leadership, uh, most of the leadership who was in the House at that time um, ha- was after that unrelatedly um, convicted of uh, corruption charges. Um, we had two speakers of the, the house who shared a jail cell in Camp Hill for a short period of time. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the people who were responsible for it were largely held accountable. Um, there are actually a few members of the General Assembly who were, were part of that midnight pay raise who are still in office. Um, but just because of attrition and primary challenges, most of them are gone. Well, uh, it sounds like an absolutely great story. And the two uh, politicians in the same cell is different. I uh, spent a lot of time in Massachusetts back in the day, and they have the renown of having three speakers of the House in a row busted on federal charges. That's so, pretty impressive. Yeah, it took it. They finally broke the streak. 
but uh, yeah. they were for a while there, three for three. So you got to you got to admire that uh, that commitment. Leo Nepper, chief executive officer of the Citizens Alliance of Pennsylvania. Their website is empowerpa.org. Thanks so much for being part of this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. Thanks for having me.